Welcome to Many Talks Podcast, talking all business, entrepreneurship, property development, finance, and investments. So, Reese Many here, host of Many Talks. Really excited today um, for the interview that I've got planned that we're going to bring out this month. It's really excited for the reason being a lot of the interviews that we've done already um, that our listeners have, have listened to is really about entrepreneurs that are still in the business, are still growing. We've got an entrepreneur with us today um, that is a market leader in the sports nutrition brand. They was listed in Sunday Times Fast Track um, Top 100. Juliet Barrett from Grenade is with me today. She's going to give an insight of how she founded the business, co-founded the business, what it's like really to work with um, a co-founder, so there's two directors in the business, how she's grown the brand from start to finish. I've got some great questions from her. I'm really excited for this interview, so welcome. Thank you, Reese. So what, what I really want to speak to yourself about is how you started, um, where where the vision come from and what made you get into the nutrition of sports brands. Okay. Um, well, I had a very sort of traditional background, so I went to school, university, qualified as a teacher, worked as a teacher for yep. sort of five years, um, but always wanted to have my own brand. Okay. Um, and then I met my partner, Al, who had a sports nutrition business before, so he was sort of um, importing products from the US and selling them to local gyms and health clubs. Okay. Um, and we decided that we'd sort of start up a business together mm. um, so I went into Fusion which was his distribution business so we were selling other people's products to gyms and health clubs and we realised very early on that you know there was a real gap for a well branded UK supplement line how, how far before your business started was, was this happening? Uh, I went to work with Al in probably late 2006 Okay. Um, and then we actually founded Grenade in 2009 Okay. Yep. Um, and the reason we called it Grenade is that everything at that time was imported from the US and it was in very generic white tubs yep. and everything had very sort of scientific names. So mm. in the weight loss category, which is where we first started, products were called things like Xenadrin, Zedracup, Hydroxycup. They're all names that people couldn't remember as soon mm. as they stepped outside of the gym or the health club. So yep. we wanted a global brands. We wanted it to be very distinctive and we wanted people to know what the name of the product was by the look and feel of it. Hence the grenade in the grenade-shaped container, and, and that's how and that's how you come about it. Now, I'm I'm a big believer in preparation is is key yeah. to to a lot of things. And what what I've looked at and, and the research that I found is when you was working with your partner, I think you trademarked grenade in in 2006. That's right. And and you actually brought the business to life in 2009. So. I would say a lot of thought and a lot of preparation went into the business before it actually launched. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we sold the last distribution business, so prior to Grenade, we'd actually retired. Okay. Um, and even though we bought the IP for Grenade, like you said, back in 2006, um, we didn't really know what we were going to do with it. Mm. Um, so we retired. We had six weeks off. We were on holiday in Malaysia, I think it was. And we were like really, really bored. Yeah. And we thought, that's it. You know, we can't stop working. So we decided to come back and really make a go of Grenade. Um, and you're right, you know, these things don't happen overnight. The ideas might come to you in a flash, yeah. but we spent sort of thousands of pounds 
buying the IP mm. and also investing in the tooling. Okay. So we had to go to a tool maker actually in Birmingham and mm. say, look, you know, we want a grenade shaped container. And that's what the container, do, the yeah, tooling. That's yeah. right. Can you do it for us? And I think we spent about £22,000 on buying the tool, the mould, okay. to make that. So it was a huge investment before we actually had the product ready to go. And I suppose that, that was a risk before knowing that the product yeah, was going to take off, really. Definitely. But, you know, we're all, we've, we've never been risk adverse. We don't yeah. like make a wasting money but we don't mind spending money and we had genuine belief in what we were doing so we felt quite comfortable doing that doing that so ju just talk me through that that process so you you've trademarked you've got the ip for for the business you've now got the tool in yeah um what was what's the next step for for this kind of business because obviously a lot of businesses are different preparations key mm. you've got your vision you you've got your tool in you've you've got your your product really yeah how did you get it out there? Well, we didn't actually have our product at that time. So it was all about sort of working with our raw ingredient manufacturers and yeah. trying to, to come up with a great product formula. Mm. So we must have gone through 10, 20 different variants. Some mm. were too strong, some weren't strong enough. And, you know, we were trialing them on friends. So it is very much a trial and error. And is that just, just to go back that you just said, is that how you trial it? So you, you work with one company, they put something together, you pull it out, let people try yeah. it and get feedback. I mean, not put it out to the general public, no. put it out to friends so that okay. if any happens to them you know, they won't <laughs> you're okay they're okay um, you know just try one of these you'll be fine yeah and, it, and it's about and was it just you and your partner that, yeah, that done right. that research yeah that's right i mean we literally there were two of us up until about i think we worked for the first sort of 18 24 months where it was just two of us okay. so we did everything ourselves from registering the product coming up with a formula investing in the tooling, mm. um, working with a, a marketing company who are based in Bolton to, for the look and feel, so mm. the packaging, um, and then actually using our sort of um, relationships that we had from trade accounts yeah. before and going to them with this sort of new product and getting them to list it. Yeah. And, and what was that like? Because me working with my partner, it would um, cause me a lot of headaches, I think. <laughs> it, it must be a niche to be able to... to work with a partner at home and at work. Definitely. What's that like? Is I mean, it a we different... always say it's the best and the worst thing. So the mm. best thing is that you've got the shared vision and the trust. Yeah. Um, and actually, we've got very sort of complementary skills. So I'm very much like a look and feel brand person, okay. whereas Al is very much about the formulations and the sales. So okay. we complement each other. I think if you're both trying to do the same thing, you'd kill each other. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we could work quite separately together, which was good. Um, but also it is the worst thing because there's no sort of distinction between home and work. Yeah, it's just Everything always work. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hence why we didn't have children and, you know, our life has been grenade. Yeah, okay. We, which, which is good to know. So moving on, so we, we've, we've spoke about now that you, you're out testing the formula. Once you've come up with the formula that you're happy with, what's, what's the step after then? Yeah, I mean, like we had to go through all the sort of getting the product registered and working with local trading standards and getting barcodes and then obviously mm. getting the packaging. But then it's literally a matter of going and sitting down with our contacts that we'd worked with before and just saying, look, you know, we've got this product. Will you list it? Yeah. And, you know, hoping that they do. But I remember when we actually launched, which was in February 2010, we were sat in the US and we were looking at the sales. Mm. They used to have portals that you could log into yeah. and the product wasn't selling. And we were thinking, oh no, you know, we've put all this money and time into it, mm. so maybe we can't do this from wherever we are. We need to get back to the UK and we need to make it sell. And that's yeah, what we've done. So we've something done. that was meant to be a bit of a hobby turned into an obsession. Yeah. Does it help 
having the context, obviously you you started this business on the back of working with your partner mm -hmm. in a previous. If you was to start from scratch, would it have been harder for you to get Grenade where it is now, do you think? Um, yeah, I think so, because in some of those initial listings in the very early days mm. were from past relationships, yeah. and you know, they're still some of Grenade's best sort of accounts mm. and, and, you know, friends now. Um, I think as long as you're passionate and you have a genuine belief in what you're doing, and you're actually trying to create a product to solve a problem as opposed to just something that you think might work yeah um and you you know you're passionate and you're determined i think you can make good headway yeah okay and, and moving on like with the story of the growth is is really what i think a lot of our listeners would be interested in listening to and i've always spoke on podcast and previously recruitment for most business owners is tough yeah um how did you find it to scale your business up because you grew tremendously over a really short space of time. Um, how did you find that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of the biggest challenges. And, you know, as an entrepreneur and somebody that sort of started a business, mm. um, it's one of the hardest things to do is to employ people and delegate. Yeah. Especially with something like Grenade, where the brand is so strong, it's very much a reflection of the owners, yeah. um, or, or the founders rather. Um, so, you know, we didn't employ anyone, like I said, for the first sort of 18 to 24 months. We did everything ourselves from wrapping pallets, doing invoices, emptying the bins. Um, and it was only when we were doing something over and over again that we decided that there was a role for somebody. So the first couple of employees were actually friends of ours. Yeah. So we knew them, we trusted them, and they got what we were doing. But it's definitely one of the biggest challenges that sort of small businesses face, you know, managing that growth. Was, was the growth... Obviously, you've done a lot yourself in the early stages. Mm. Um, did the company grow larger and faster towards the the end when you'd brought more employees on, would you say? Or did you have a, a big growth spurt when it was just two of you? What was the transition period like? I think you notice the growth more in the early days yeah. because every new account is like, wow, you know, we've got this. Yeah. Um, and I think we had very sort of big geographical growth early on. So our first fitness expo was Body Power at the NEC, which was in May 2010. Mm. And then about four weeks later, we got an email from the Diet and Wellness Bar of GNC in the US yeah. saying that they'd seen us at the NEC and they wanted to stop our product and that was like oh my you know it's phenomenal yeah. getting a, you know attention from the US so early but again there are a whole load of problems and challenges to actually get product to the US so it was a real sort of learning curve for us yeah um, and I think because we just had the one product then as well the growth really was significant whereas now we've grenade have a skew you know a range of products different flavors of bars and shakes so new listings are mm. still significant, but probably not as noticeable. Yeah. How, how many products do you have on market? Uh, just roughly. Uh, just around sort of 20. 20 different, yeah. different, different, different items. Different flavors and sizes. Yeah. And is, is all of that produced in the UK? Um, we use manufacturers, well, Grenade use manufacturers from all over the place. All so we use it. UK, Europe, the US. So we always want to use the best manufacturers yeah. for all the different products. And your facilities now distribution is that is that over here? Have you got a big premises where you have to stock and then pass out? Yeah, to... so we've got warehousing in the UK, yeah. in the US, and also sort of in the Middle East. And then, and, and you're you're worldwide now. Yeah, that's right. We're global. So very early on, we were sort of we had attention from the the US, Europe. Yeah. Um. So grenade sells directly to about forty countries. And, and what's it like working with with foreign countries? 
Um, I mean, again, there are challenges. So, yeah. you know, as I said, I've taken a step away from the day-to-day -day of Grenade now. But, you know, as a sort of marketeer, one of the biggest challenges was making sure that the cultural fit was there. Yeah. So, for example, in the UK, we used a certain look of athletes, so mm. a very lean six-pack, um, whereas in the US, that didn't really translate. Um, so we need to make sure that we're using appropriate images for each okay. market. Yeah. And again, you know, in the Middle East, the market is very much sort of gym-based bodybuilding, mm. whereas where Grenade are in the UK, it's very much sort of mainstream Sainsbury's, Tesco's, yeah. and the Barrett stores. So it's just making sure that everything you do is relevant for that particular market. There's no one-size-fits-all approach. No, you have, to, you have to change. And I suppose you had to build that in into your branding, and you was the person responsible for branding the business. Yeah, that's right, initially, and then the marketing team grew, grew yeah. um, and it's sort of in region of sort of 15 now. Um, and as I said, you know, the, the brand is really strong. Um, people love the Grenade brand. There's real brand equity there. Yeah. Um, How did it make you feel... Because um, there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs out there going through them them pains of releasing or delegating to other people. I've, I've been in that situation yeah. where my team's building in-house with, with my business. And it is tough to, to let go of something that you've started and give responsibility to somebody else. What kind of tips could you give to, to somebody in that position right now? Um, we do a lot of work with Sir Richard Branson, okay. um, with Virgin Unite and also with Virgin Startup. We've been lucky to meet him a few times yeah. and there was one piece of advice that he gave, I think it was at one of the Virgin Fast Track meetings and he said that when you employ people you need to make sure the cultural fit is right yeah. because you can train somebody to do a job but you can't change who they are mm. and that's a mantra that we've always stuck to when growing the, the, the team at Grenade and you know we've got really good people, enthusiastic people that love the brands yeah. they come in straight from university I mean one of my graphic designers um, he came straight from his finishing uh, his degree handing in his project he got the bus over to us yeah. he was brilliant great portfolio I gave him his bus fare for the way home <laughs> and he's still with the business he's now and he's grown with it and he really does get the brand and that's really important to us yeah. um, but again you know with a team of people the lows aren't as low and the highs are even higher and I think that's really important so would you say it's about trusting yourself, really, that you've brought the right people in, the right calibre person with the right culture, Definitely. and then allow them to grow and, and make mistakes? Because that happens in business. Yeah, exactly. The only way you learn is, yeah. is by making mistakes. And like, you know, we, you know, at Grenade, there's a, there's a very much an open door policy. So if anybody makes a mistake, you know, we hope that they would come and tell us. Yeah. Um, because again you can deal with a mistake that's right but, you know if it's if you don't know about it exactly, it's tough to, to be able to deal yeah. with it yeah so just um, it, we, we've covered a lot in a, in a short space of time I like to just recap so when you started you, you said that you was at university and you always had um, a desire for business yeah, that's right. I mean, I always worked really, really hard, so mm. above and beyond when I was sort of employed, and I just wanted to do that for myself. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I've got a lot of things that I really enjoy doing, so I love commercial property, so I've built up a portfolio of commercial property, you know, I love branding, so I did grenade. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much out there and opportunities, and I think it's such a great time, especially now, for young entrepreneurs, because there seems to be this very sort of open arms approach to encouraging people to start their own business. Yeah. And that's something that I feel very passionately about, the fact that, you know, young people should be encouraged not to sort of follow the school, university or school, college route, but really to explore what they want to do with their lives. And it helps if they've got a passion for what they're getting yeah, involved with, would you say? Definitely. 
Um, one of the, you know, I always mention this, is there was um, a guy on the Dragon's Den and he developed something that goes over the end of a cucumber to keep it fresh in the fridge. Okay. And like, you just think, well, that's great, but you know, just put a piece of cling film over it. Yeah. So, you know, you can spend a lot of time actually coming up with a solution to a problem that doesn't, doesn't exist. Need, yeah, that doesn't need um, So I really would encourage people that if they are thinking to start their own business to really sort of research that area and to talk to people and just to see if there's an actual need for their mm. product or service. And what I find is, it's easy for a young entrepreneur, not just young, but anybody that's looking to do research. There's so much information out there now. Um, it's about finding the right information that fits that, that person. Um, what advice could you give on that? It's about, my opinion, it's about doing the research and really looking for a mentor or somebody that's in your sector that you can relate to. Definitely. I mean, I'm a sort of very strong advocate of mentoring and yeah. you know I wish that I'd have had someone that could have sat down with me 10 years ago yeah. when we started to sort of learn you know and think about grenade because there are so many things that you know when you're starting out you think it's just you that's facing those challenges but yeah. actually they're very common sort of business challenges and again you know even in the last sort of like six months when we've gone to Virgin Fast Track meetings, you know, we sat there in a room of phenomenal business people mm. and the issues around sort of staff, culture, growth are, are all there and those are the biggest challenges. So mm. it's not you on your own and there are people that can sort of talk you through the process. Definitely. I mean, ju just going back to that, that, that I, I totally agree. You said that you'd have loved the mentor mm. 10, 10 years ago. How would that have helped you with your growth, do you think? Would you have got to where you need to be quicker? you'd have been able to get over objections a, a little bit easier than, than what you did on your own? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think they can accelerate growth. Yeah. I don't think you should have a mentor just to help you grow quicker. Yeah. I think it's really good to have someone that's maybe not as emotional about your business as you are as a really good sort of sounding mm. block because, again, if you come up with a, an idea or you want to market in a certain way or spend a lot of money doing something and your mentor maybe has done that before and had an experience, then they can advise you. So it's just really a sounding block and sometimes you feel like you're on your own and you haven't actually got anyone to talk to. So I remember, you know, I come from a family of four girls and they've got very traditional backgrounds. So I've got a lawyer, a doctor, um, and my mum mm. doesn't really understand business. Um, so I didn't really have anyone to talk to. So it'd be really useful to have somebody that's not been there, done that, but maybe been there and still doing it, just to give you that advice yeah. and that comfort and that support. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think what we've just discovered and what we've just heard from Juliet is probably one of the best pieces that I've heard from doing my podcast. There's some fantastic tips in there for people that are up and coming. Um, you should really take some some key points from there. Thanks for, for what you've explained to us. Just before we finish up, what, what I wanna, and what I'm excited about and, and why I really wanted to bring you on my podcast is because you've gone through that fundraising and really now taking your foot off the gas and, and not really involved with your brand as much. Talk, can you talk me through that process of what made you get to that point of the business where you thought it was time to to take your, your foot off and, and take a step back really? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love Grenade and it's, yeah. you know, it's my baby, so yeah. to speak, because we've gone from like 27 pounds in the business bank account to mm. where it is now. Um, but I do think there comes a time where you've taken a brand as far as you can take it and it's time to sort of step to one side and let the phenomenal team mm. sort of grow it um, beyond you. And do you get that feeling when, when it's that time? Do you... 
Yeah, I think so. And also, you know, I've spent the last 10 years getting up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm old and a bit knackered. So (laughs) I really want to sort of explore more mentoring. I want to get involved with with startups as well. And, you know, I'm really passionate about encouraging young people to follow their dreams. And I do think the education system in the UK is a little bit stifling and sort of tends to not force people but you know there are only certain routes that are open to them and you know I'd really like to see more entrepreneurs going into schools and working with young people to infuse them because one of the things that I really feel strongly about is that I'd rather be a has-been than a never was and I'm so glad that I spent all that time didn't have a day off for four years and put all of my money and efforts into Grenade because it's this phenomenal business Mm. Um, and I'd like to work with young people or you know startup businesses to actually put them on that journey to help them on their journey so as I I said again there's some fantastic tips in there and it's been great having you on Um, so your role now well obviously you're you're talking and from the vibe that I'm getting from you is that you want to help um, people mentoring what's next for you um, I'd like, I'm going to have a little bit of time out, yeah. so um, I want to travel a bit because I haven't been able to do that with the business. And anywhere um, in particular that you're oh, looking to? I'm going to have a bit of a sort of break, uh, I might do uh, South America, okay. I'm going to go and do New York and yeah. you know places that I've had on my hit list, I've got a bucket list, I want to hug a koala and I want to see a volcano erupt, so yeah. I need to plan those in somewhere. <laughs> um, but no, I just want to you know follow some of my you know, I might start a new business, I just don't know. I think once it's in your DNA, yeah. you know, and you see a gap in the market, <laughs> then I, I might do it. So, like I said, you know, I've retired before and I got bored very quickly, so watch this space. Yeah, see see, see what you've got next um, lined up. Just before we finish, I, it, it always happens, other questions come to me. Um, I, I'm intrigued, and there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners that are in this situation of having um, a partner, not not just any partner, but a, a business partner working with them. What do you think the advantages and the disadvantages are of, of having a business partner? Um, I think the advantages are you've got that one person there that you trust and you've been on the journey together. Mm. Um, so a lot of people that you talk to that, that have maybe haven't got their own business, they don't understand how it really is all-consuming. All mm. So it's good to have that sort of person there that you trust, that you can sort of talk to and then come up with a decision. It just gives you that comfort. Yeah. Um, I think if you try and do the same things, as I said earlier... Um, if you try and do the same role, I think you could butt heads. Yeah. So make sure that you're very sort of clear as to roles and expectations. Um, again, you know, husband and wife is a, is a difficult dynamic. You know, it would be harder if you had children and one mm. of you maybe have those sort of childcare responsibilities. But, you know, just go for it. Work with someone that you enjoy working with. You know, life's tough, business is hard. So yeah. just try and enjoy it as much as you can. And the right people on board will help you to do that. Will help you. Because it is about the team. It's yeah. about having a great team around you, having the right culture. Yeah. Um, and, and it seems not, like you've conquered it. Just get them to it. do another geographical area, you know, just ship them off to the US and they can manage the US office and you stay in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> or, or buy them out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, well, look, that's, that's all the questions from me, Julie. It's been fantastic having you on. Um, I know you're busy and you, you've got a lot of stuff that you're looking forward to, to doing. We're, we're looking forward to seeing your next adventure um, and, and all the best for the future. Thanks. So for now, what I want to do is thank you for listening, subscribe, leave a review. Look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast with some exciting guests coming our way.